From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin created a stir earlier this month when he sent a letter to the OECD asking it to pause its years-long effort to change the way multinational companies are taxed. Mnuchin cited the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, but many international observers worried that this was a prelude to the U.S. pulling out of these talks altogether. Not so, according to Pascal Saint-Amand. He's the director of the Center for Tax Policy and Administration at the OECD, and he says the U.S. is still actively participating in these talks. In fact, Sanamon says he expects the countries will reach an agreement on the first part of this multinational tax deal as soon as this fall. Sanamon spoke with reporter Hamza Ali this week at the Tax Leadership Forum, a virtual event hosted by Bloomberg Tax. He started off by putting these global tax negotiations into some historical context. We have been engaged in a negotiation for years. It depends on how you count. You could say we started all that in 2012 when we elaborated the BEPS Action Plan, which identified as Action 1 addressing the tax challenges of the digitalization of the economy, or 2017 when the G20 mandated us to do an additional report um, which we produced in March 18, or we could go back to 18, where the G20 told us you have till the end of 2020 to deliver. But it's been some time we've been working on this, and the conversation is difficult. It's difficult because the dividing line is not the one we had during BEPS or during the work we did uh, on putting an end to bank secrecy. The dividing line is um, more complex um, because on the one hand, you have the Europeans who want to tax tech companies, largely Americans, even though not only Americans, uh, and um, um, they don't want other countries to tax their own companies. And the U.S. says, especially following the U.S. tax reform, Okay, you want to tax Google, fine, but we want to tax Louis Vuitton, so we want a balanced uh, deal. And, and because of that, you can see that you have a difficult conversation, especially as this conversation, as you've said, is taking place among 137 countries, so that's, that's large, with key players, the G20, the developing countries, the zero-tax jurisdictions, the, 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 the small uh, competitive uh, jurisdiction. So the conversation has uh, has um, um, advanced, uh, work has advanced, and in October uh, last year, in order to solve the main dispute, which was about the scope of the work, <clears throat> because the philosophy of finding a new nexus and reallocating taxing rights, I think is globally shared, and, and the U.S. Uh, of the Trump administration recognized there was a problem, and like the Obama administration, which said we don't want to discuss this, but um, uh, there is a recognition of the problem. The problem is finding a new nexus, meaning that a company would be taxable even though it may not be physically present in the market, and then new allocation uh, rules which would provide more to the market jurisdiction. Um, in, in spite of this common philosophy, there was a disagreement on the scope. And, and it took a couple of years for us to try to solve the problem and tell the Europeans it cannot be user contribution type of business only and tell the US it cannot be all businesses either. And, and we came up with this unified approach in October to say, listen, th this is what we, we could do. The, the, the problem has been that as this conversation has taken time, it has, um, uh, uh, 
come to a point where the U.S. administration has seen the, the next election. And you know, the U.S. democracy is such as you have elections every two years. So we were getting closer to uh, uh, the U.S. election and, and uh, the unified approach was um, uh, welcomed by the U.S. with a safe harbor proposal, which was not that helpful. So we resumed the work, we're able to park the safe harbor. We had a meeting, Minister Le Maire and Minister Minuchin, my secretary general and myself in in davos uh and uh and then paf you have covid and covid slows things down and and then a few months before delivering countries said well why don't we refocus on digital first and and it's this proposal which triggered a u.s response saying you know guys it's not about reading the tea leaves it's about reading the writing on the wall we do not want to ring fans digital one two we have an election so we can create a deal, and three, we have COVID, uh, meaning bigger fish to fry. So wait, be patient. And the response of the other countries is, we are very impatient because it's been years we've been working on that. We think we're getting close to an agreement. And, and that's where you have this dissonance uh, across the Atlantic. But uh, as I responded to your question, the US, unlike what was reported um, uh, by uh, the wrong press agencies, unlike yours, uh, because you've been pretty accurate in your reporting. Uh, the U.S. has not walked away from the negotiation. The U.S. has not pulled out. Uh, and uh, on the contrary, the U.S. has said through the voice of uh, Stephen Minuchin, through the voice of uh, Grassley Wyden, through the voice of the business community, USCID issued something yesterday. They are engaged, they want a solution, but, but we should uh, shift it to 21, or at least after the election. Hmm. Um, you've hinted uh, previously uh, that uh, part of the negotiations could run into next year. Um, can you sort of give us an idea of which parts uh, could be pushed to next year um, and what that would look like? That's a good question and maybe too early uh, to discuss because we first need to discuss with the steering group. The, 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 the last word, actually all the words belong to our members uh, and not to the secretary. So the, the best I can do is share with you some personal thoughts on, on the way forward. Where do we stand? You know, we have two pillars. Where do we stand on pillar one? Well, it's quite advanced. You may remember in January, the inclusive framework adopted an outline of what pillar one could be so it was an endorsement of the unified approach and we identified the number of building blocks which would need to be developed and that's why by the way we said let's park the safe harbor idea let's develop the pillar and we'll come back to the safe harbor once the pillar is developed we have been developing uh, uh, the pillar and uh, we have advanced uh, 11 building blocks nexus scope, business implementation, uh, tax base, tax certainty, I mean, many, many aspects of uh, Pillar 1, all the aspects of Pillar 1 have been developed and they are pretty advanced. Some are more advanced than others, but overall, uh, we can have um, um, a report in October, which will show that from the outline in January to where we are, we are near the solution. We are near the agreement. We could even have had an agreement. Now, maybe we can take advantage of the crisis to, instead of, of finalizing all the aspects, uh, maybe what we can do is, is simplify, streamline, uh, you know, I mean, 
too big a crisis to waste it, one would say. So it's not too big a crisis, this one, COVID is, but, but not uh, the, the hiccup with uh, the US position, but, but we may simplify it further. So what we could come up with in, in October is a report which could show and, and hopefully demonstrate to the people, the members, uh, the business community, the stakeholders, that we have a solution, it's a good solution, it's not too complex a solution because we take from the business community, but from developing countries as well, the criticism that it was getting too complex. So maybe we can streamline there. And, and then we have something which looks good and which indeed would be the good basis for finalizing the negotiation, whether it's a Trump administration or a Biden administration. Um, and, you know, I don't exclude that Trump administration, if we elected, uh, would uh, conclude a deal. I mean, this is uh, an administration done for deals and twisting the arm with uh, the uh, threat of trade sanctions, but also reaching deals here and there. So I don't exclude that. If it's a Biden administration, I don't exclude that we have a deal. I don't exclude that we may not have a deal, but at least there will be a few months to uh, uh, do further work, engage with the new administration and see whether we have the deal. So the, on pillar one, the goal is to have the basis for a deal, it may not be finalized, but it will be showing that we are near uh, a solution, which would be good. And, and the test, I think the real test will be, will observers say, yeah, that's, that's the thing to do, or will they say, oh no, obviously not, and, and another solution would have been better. On pillar two, it's, it's slightly different. Pillar 2 has um, uh, advanced more quickly than the 1 because we haven't had this issue of the scope, which has more or less blocked the conversation for a couple of years on Pillar 1. We're quite advanced. The problem of Pillar 2 is that it's a vicious circle because countries will say we cannot talk about the um, uh, um, carve-outs if we don't know about the blending, but we cannot talk about the blending if we don't know about the rate, and that's it's the... So you, you have something where uh, you have the different building blocks, but, but you cannot bring them together uh, unless you bring them all together at once. And, and, and interestingly, the last steering group meeting, uh, which took place last week, um, uh, was... Um, an opportunity for some countries, the sponsors of Pillar 2, to make a full-fledged proposal with proposal on the blending, a proposal on the carve-out, proposal on the rate, and, and now we, we have, uh, I think, uh, a way out of the vicious circle. What can be agreed in October? The Pillar could be agreed, but a number of countries say, well, it's a package. Uh, no Pillar 2 if we don't have a Pillar 1. Some other countries may say, uh, well, no, it's not a package. You have two different pillars and one can go without uh, the other. Um, and I would say the main enemy of Pillar 2 is Pillar 1, <clears throat> because the sponsors of Pillar 2 did put Pillar 2 under the, the digital brand. And, and, and because they've done that, it's hard to say, oh, we haven't addressed digital thing, but, but look, we have Pillar 2. And Pillar 2 is extremely important in terms of structuring the international tax framework. I don't know, in 20 years' time, maybe it will be considered as the most important step uh, that has been taken because it, it's really putting a limit to, to tax competition. So I don't know what's, what's going to happen. Things are in flux. They're fluid. There is a G20 finance ministers meeting in July. There will be a conversation there and, um, and we'll see what happens. What is for sure is that we work, we keep working, we're alive, we're not in life support. Uh, so uh covid has not done too much harm yet on this but we recognize the difficulties um that's um 
a, a lot there uh, to, to unpack. Um, uh, as a quick sort of follow-up question um, to that then, um, uh, it seems that the digital element of it won't be done this year. I mean, if I understood that sort of correctly, pillar, if pillar two is what's possible this year, um, the the sort of digital element will have to sort of wait. Uh, is, that, is, that, is, is that correct? If I if I read American English well, this is what I would think. Even though, even though, <clears throat> for those who have seen the letter, I think there are many people now who have seen the letter, but it's not publicly available. But it says no deal in. I mean, it, it doesn't say no deal in 2020. It says let let's pause, but we don't. I mean, we resume. We pause and resume in 2020, and we don't think we can have a deal in 2020. But we don't exclude we can have a deal in 2020. So I think. The real um, um, uh, timeline there is, is the U.S. election. I mean, no deal before the U.S. election. Now, can we reach a deal after the U.S. election? Why not? I mean, uh, everything's possible if it's a renewed Trump administration. But, but I think reasonably thinking that there is a shift in 21 is not unreasonable, which doesn't solve the issue of unilateral measures and trade retaliation. We're left with this big question uh, ahead of us. Um, and the other thing that you sort of mentioned was that um, uh, Pillar 1 could be the sort of enemy of Pillar 2. Um, are, are there sort of other big uh, challenges that Pillar 2 could face being passed this year? I'm thinking about things like the blending, the rate, whether Gildy would be grandfathered, what do you do about preferential uh, regimes, that kind of stuff. Uh, do you think that stuff will be squared by October? I think it can. I think it 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 can. Uh, I, I, I would think the, I mean, technically it can. It, it's, it's more about the political decisions and the political decisions belong to the members uh, at, at a high level. So what would they decide? I don't know. It's no secret that the United Kingdom, for instance, is uh, advocating a strong link between Pillar 1 and Pillar 2, and the UK is not isolated in that position. I think it would be no surprise to think that Germany would uh, prefer to move ahead with a Pillar 2, even if we have not yet finalized Pillar 1. Uh, so uh, it's, it's, I mean, whether we have a Pillar 2 agreed in October or not depends on the political dynamic uh, among these countries. But technically, can we uh, sort out uh, the different issues? Yes, we can. Um, in terms of, of um, possible consensus, obviously, uh, low-tax countries or zero-tax jurisdictions, which are members of the inclusive framework, are not big fans of Pillar 2. Surprise, surprise. Uh, would they object to a Pillar 2? I don't know. You need to ask them. But what's interesting in Pillar 2 is that, look, the U.S. moved on its own, right? Uh, they didn't need to change the tax treaties. And if there is a violation of tax treaty or treaty override, it's, it's not guilty. Uh, it, it may be, I mean, some other provisions of the U.S. tax reform, but certainly not uh, guilty. So that means that countries can move on their own. Now, they are not as big as the U.S., so they need to gang up to move together. But you could have, theoretically, a coalition of the winning, let's say, of 100 countries saying, we want to do uh, a Pillar 2, and, and you may have 20 or 37 or, or more countries missing from the consensus, but that wouldn't prevent the other countries to move ahead. And, and that's this dynamic which is interesting because 
you want to be in the consensus or not. You cannot really block countries from moving ahead. Now, if you're part of the consensus, you can shape the consensus, which means that you're bound by consensus, but you have also, I mean, obligations and protections, which means that on the carve-outs, if you're a low-tax jurisdiction, you may try to influence and have more generous carve-outs. Then if you recognize the legitimacy of Pillar 2, you may be protected because you're part of the agreement. So these are the carve-outs which will be implemented. If you refuse to join the consensus, well, why would the countries deprived of consensus but part of a coalition of the willing implement these carve-outs to you? Maybe they will be much more demanding to you because you didn't join the consensus. You see that that makes the, 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 the discussion interesting, let's say. Uh, um, so what happens? We're going to see. Uh, but as I said, in the narrative so far, there has been a link between Pillar 1 and Pillar 2, even though some countries may want to build two separate narratives, and I think it would work too. So it's, it's really for the finance ministers to decide how to move this forward. And is there sort of a, a danger as well that um, Pillar 1 isn't um, reached, today, uh, reached this year, that there could be a trade war at the end of the year? Um, I'm thinking the sort of deadline yes. that uh, France and the US have sort of agreed and other countries sort of lining up uh, behind France. Is there sort of a danger that this conversation about Pillar 2 becomes more difficult next year? Oh, Pillar 2, no. Pillar 1, yes. No, Pillar, mean, Pillar, Pillar 1, sorry. Right. Pillar 1. Yeah, no, P Pillar 2 is not the issue there. Pillar 1, yes, absolutely. That's the risk. And, and you may have seen the Secretary General of the OECD releasing a paper uh, last week to say, you know what, we urge you to negotiate, we urge you to be present because we have these. And the French uh, have been able to suspend the collection of their DST until November uh, with the view that there would be an agreement at the OECD, which was the deal reached between Mr. Le Maire and, uh, and, and uh, Secretary Minucci. So uh, that's no longer possible. What do you do in that, uh, in that case? Hard to suspend further uh, the tax, which would require probably uh, going to parliament. Uh, so I don't know, and, and it's a difficult call. I, I understand there is uh, this dissonance between the US and, and the European countries, and, and as facilitators of the conversation, we can, we can see this, we can see the US with good faith saying, listen, we're talking about trillions of dollars that we need to put to save the world economy and the US economy for sure. Uh, and here you're talking about billions. You know, there was a motto from the, uh, from the World Bank moving from billions to trillions. Here you could say, well, it's moving from trillions to billions. So it's a distraction. Uh, but the Europeans, rightfully so, can respond, sorry guys, but, but it's a very political and, and politically important question of fairness. We cannot let it go. It's been years we've been waiting. And beyond the money, you have the question of fairness. We could see the, 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 the digital economy working well. We could see the Zoom uh, uh, booming during COVID and uh, the uh, shop around the corner being closed. So we need to address it. And, and it's a fundamental question for us. So no easy way out. Uh, I think that everybody understands that waiting for the US election is not unreasonable, but uh, what can you do to limit the risk of trade war? We don't have the solution. And I think the solution is 
a credible OECD process which gives hope that indeed there will be an agreement. Part of this is on us, for us to do the right technical work to show credibility. Part of it is on the shoulders of, of the politicians across the world. And, and that's um, unfortunately, or actually fortunately, we have no influence on That was Bloomberg Tax's Hamza Ali speaking with Pascal Saint-Amon, director of the Center for Tax Policy and Administration at the OECD. You can find up-to-the-minute news on the latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. And if you have any thoughts about what you just heard or really anything else, get in touch with us on Twitter. We use the handle at tax. Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Kathy Larson is our editor. Special help today came from Rachel Dagan from Washington. I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Laura Carlson, and I'm dropping into your feed to tell you about Prognosis, a new daily show from Bloomberg. Monday through Friday, we'll spend a few minutes with you every afternoon to help you understand life in the time of COVID-19. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So come back every afternoon for our coverage and stay safe.